This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live cast here on Twitch. But you can also catch us on iTunes or on YouTube, however you enjoy the show. Thank you for joining us. Brought to you, as always, by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount all the days of the week. I'm your host, Reesius, or Reese. Reese Robbins. Not Reeseo. No. That dastardly fiend we have yet to identify. He's been quiet. He's busy. Well, he's, he's been quiet for he's a long busy. time. He's busy. He's he's working away. Yeah. Well, we we got we got some numbers. There's, there's a couple factions in his sight, so I don't think anybody should be uh, too comfy. We got yeah. some numbers to look at, and Reeseo, you are slacking, bro. Tower mm-hmm. coming up way too hard. Yeah. So we'll talk about that more later. But <clears throat> with me is my co-host. The salty banana, the raw dog, the mm-hmm. clown baby. Did we talk last week? I, don't, I think we were so shell shocked we didn't talk about a lot that happened at the LBO. But some Danish guys gave us some salty bananas. You did mention that. Okay, they and that was really funny. Disgusting. They're awful, just yeah. like you. Mm-hmm. Really unbearable. It makes sense because it's like outside of it is just a shell of salt. <laughs> And on the inside is flavorless licorice. So <laughs> it's just it's, like you. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> just dull, a dull taste. So, so yeah, a, extreme salt followed by dull nothingness. That's it, if pretty it, much. If, if it ended with up, like a, yeah. a bitter but hilarious like at the quip, end, yeah, that would be Jason in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, just bitter at the end, <laughs> but funny. Okay. I guess it well, is kind of. That's, it's relative, right? It makes it funny, yes. A lot of people who don't find me funny yeah, well, send threats. You are hilarious, <clears throat> except to Australians who True. want to. Uh, I like Australians, but I like Australian women. That's every, it. Everybody does. I am. But so, you know, I don't fully dot like them all. <laughs> Some <laughs> males. Anyways, let's go. <laughs> You don't want to explore that topic any no. further? All right. Let's, yeah, pass. let's move on. So uh, in the news, this week we have a, a big new release from GW, which of course you can pick up at a discount from Frontline Gaming in our web store with free shipping options in the continental United States. That is Blackstone Fortress, the dreaded amble. Are you being serious? Oh. It is, it's, oh. it's, it is a release. Yeah. <laughs> It's cool, man. It's an expansion of Blackstone Fortress. And as uh-huh. we were talking about in the pre-show, for anybody that uh, doesn't join us for the live show on Twitch, uh, during the warm-up period when we do audio checks and stuff, we just kind of have a little friendly banter with the um, the live audience. And it was funny because I was like, what is the D&D monster that this looks like? And instantaneously someone was like the Umber Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I, it has to be the inspiration for the dreaded Amble because – the Ambles actually goes way back in the 40K lore. Mm. And if you go far enough back, uh, Games Workshop started out with the magazine White Dwarf, which was a magazine about Dungeons and Dragons. So a lot of the things that we have in the game, both fantasy and 40K, the roots of it go way, 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 way back into the, you know, misty days of, of, of yawn or your mm-hmm. yonder, whatever, mm-hmm. of uh, uh, nerddom. And that's largely rooted in D&D. So it's pretty cool. And there's actually like a, a Mecha Amble mm-hmm. uh, that's in Necromundo as well. So it's like Mecha Godzilla versus normal Godzilla. Uh, pretty cool. So uh, if you liked Blackstone Fortress, which is a legacy game, it's a game where as you play it, 
you unlock like secret compartments and open up envelopes and mm -hmm. your characters, you know, they change and grow as you go, which they're really popular games right now. Uh, Gloomhaven is a good example of that. That's mega popular, which we will start playing again here. Uh, you know, Pascal's been dying to get back into it. Mm -hmm. So this is an expansion to that. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be some gorgeous miniatures. Uh, so grab that if you're interested at uh, Frontline Gaming. Pretty cool. Oh, and there is a case, a carrying case. There is. Uh, for Blackstone Fortress minis. There is. Yeah. So it is pretty cool. Like the, the Umber Hulk was like a cool <laughs> monster that like dug through the ground. And uh, like we were saying, we were discussing earlier, it's one of like the super iconic D&D monsters like the Githyanki, Mind Flayer, the Beholder. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of those really cool monsters that kind of shaped a lot of what we know about fantasy today. So it's kind of neat. I like it. A little tip of the hat. And if you didn't attend the Las Vegas Open, but you want to get a better idea of what it was like, uh, we put together a photo journal of the LVO 2019. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go find it on the blog. And it's, it gives you an idea of what was going on at the event. We tend to talk about and focus the most on the GW uh, tournaments, but there's so much more that is going on. Mm -hmm. um, the GW stuff accounts for a little bit more than half of the total event. Right, so there's that. There's just a ton, literally, you know, not quite thousands, but over a thousand people participating in, in other things that are non-GW related. And in that picture you just saw was the 30K mega battle, which is absurdity. I don't know how the table doesn't break under the right. weight of all that resin, but in that picture, there are three warlord titans. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Yeah. And then there's Reaver Titans. You can barely see them because they look so tiny compared to the Warlord and the Reaver's huge. Right. Thunderhawks flying <clears throat> on the table. And that's just one of the, you know, what, 100 events mm -hmm. or whatever we have. It's one thing. That's a snapshot of one event. That's going, going on, on one day in one hall. Yeah. And it's insanity, mm -hmm. right? Uh, one gentleman for that particular event comes over from the UK every year just so that he can use his um, Warlord Titan. Yeah. And uh, it's it's so cool, right? In the 30K event, everything's fully painted. And as you can see, that whole, you know, what is it, 24 linear foot table, it's all the same terrain and mat the whole way down. Mm -hmm. So it's just a really, really cool, beautiful themed game. And that's just one of the crazy things going on. Right. So if you're interested, go check out that photo journal. Um, the only event I'm missing pictures of um, <clears throat> right now is, is uh, Bolt Action. Ho hoping to get some of those. Our photographer that runs around taking pictures, she does she does her best, but she's not a gamer per se, so she doesn't know if she's missing stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'd have to be a pretty well-rounded gamer even to to know what the you know what I mean, like mm -hmm. to be able to go and like be, identify everything that you're supposed to. Um, yeah, volt know, action was big. See. This it was year, huge. So. Yeah, it was really big. Warlord themselves came out and they were like super happy to see it, so they're pumped about next year already. So if you're listening to this and for some reason you're a, a Bolt Action fan and not a Games Workshop fan and you listen to our podcast, uh, get ready for next year. It's gonna be bigger and better. And they did all kinds of cool stuff. Like they um, they did Test of Honor demos, the mm -hmm. Samurai game. They had uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, well, the, Conflict uh, 47. Yeah, and the new um, uh, Cruel Seas. Yep. Yeah, that's the new one. I believe that's the name of it. It's their uh, World War II uh ocean combat game, yeah which is like really cool so that was look great and there's some pictures of that actually that game in action um it looks really neat and yeah. uh naval combat world war ii mm -hmm. a lot of fun no it was really cool there that um i was checking out was uh the the north american team from dust tactics came out uh dust 1947 
If I'm getting the name wrong, I'm sorry, but no, you're you are you're confusing two similar games. Okay, it's but, called Dust Tactics. Yeah, so that was being shown in the demo area, and it looked amazing. That aesthetic gets me every time, like pulp World War II, mm -hmm. like you know, ah, really cool, really cool game. So that's something I, I that me personally saw, and I want to check that out now. It's a really cool game, and mm -hmm. the miniatures are amazing. Yeah, some of the Walker tanks they have are they're enormous. They're like mm -hmm. like. The size of like a bang blade. Yeah. Uh, and they, and you can buy them fully painted. Yeah, they have all those options. You can buy mm -hmm. them, buy them assembled, or buy them assembled and painted. It's really interesting how they do that. Yeah, you can get them assembled and primed. Actually. And they're kind of like whiskey, you know, like a like hero clicks, like that kind of painting. So it's not bad, but it's also like it's it's good enough to like just get it on the table. And the the miniatures themselves are very high quality. Yep. They're extremely high quality. Uh, a really cool game. I'm, I'm actually surprised it's not bigger than it is. Well, they had some restructuring things that happened, but apparently now the the, the husband and wife team that was there, um, they own the rights to all North American distribution and everything. <coughs> so apparently it's a lot more smooth now because the hard part Second. was getting distribution through the U.S., I believe. Yeah, and the, it's uh, Paolo Parente is a famous artist. That's It's his baby. Yeah. So all the stuff from like Dust North America is all the same as like, it's still all of his art and his, his sculpts and all that kind of stuff. And a phenomenal mm -hmm. artist. So really cool. Check it out. And that's one of the things like <clears throat> a lot of people, when they think about the LVO, they think of it as just a giant 40 K tournament. Really. That's like the, a lot of people, that's what they think of when they think of the LVO, but it's not, it's a full blown convention. Mm -hmm. um, I, there's tons of pictures in there of the painting competitions. Uh, the, the winner who had best in show at the uh, LVO painting championship, uh, Torlarp, I'm not even going to. Wow. Inst yeah. It's like Instrin son or something like that. And uh, I oh. I apologize. I didn't say your name correctly. A, a famous name. And, Wait, and, no. Uh, the, the, Sweden or wherever. He, I think he he's, <laughs> he, it's some sort of Scandinavian or or um, um, Siberia, something mm -hmm. like in that yeah. region. But uh, the cool thing about it was is that the, the, the LVO painting competition, uh, painting championship, is relatively new, but we had 150 something entries this year. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It was crazy. Yeah, and I think I was talking to the the head organizer of all the painting classes and and competitions and all that kind of stuff, and he said um, they're already the the preparation for next year's presentation, like how it's going to look, is going to be like a million times better. Like it was already pretty good this year, but like next year, like if you're putting your stuff in for competitions, expect like this amazing display setup yeah like it's gonna look really cool it's incredible it's already gaining okay. a lot of steam mm -hmm. and it was really uh, our first year doing it second but well, last year we had to pull an audible well no it's and it, i would i would call it our first this is our first year actually year getting one. time to prep because yeah. the year before the the parties that were supposed to help with it had some medical issues and we had to like mm -hmm. fill in at the last minute yeah this year we actually had a year to prep and it was really impressive but uh the cool the cool thing about it Talking to Seth, <laughs> mm -hmm. who, the head organizer of that part of the convention, uh, Torlarp was unheard of prior to this. Mm -hmm. So he came in and he competed with pro painter, mm -hmm. like literal, not eBay pro painters, like literal yeah. professional painters who do it for their living and he won. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really cool and exciting. Right? He probably came in and was like, I'm really good in my village. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, and then he it's comes from over. LA, yeah. Actually. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> LA know, Village. It, that name is, is I, I'm actually really curious to know what the what the background of that name is. I've never seen That's not as like a cool it. story though. Yeah. The guy just comes in. He's yeah, like he's like, I've never seen an airplane. Uh, what kind of <laughs> what kind of dragon is this that I'm getting on time? You know. Comes out of the snow. And he just has this beautifully painted. Just this work yeah. of art. It's just like shining gold. Yeah. He's like, I've been told I'm pretty good by the seals that live in my <laughs> my hut. 
right. I'm sure if he's listening, he's loving this okay. story. <laughs> I mean, that's how I imagine how it is there in, in Scandinavia and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> Now, now, not only will Australians hate you, the, the Swedes and the Dutch. The Swedes that live in Scandinavia. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I'm getting it down. You're nailing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe it's Icelandic or something like that. Like, it is such an interesting name, but uh, phenomenally painted miniature. So uh, check it out. If you want to go see, there's a link in the photo journal with all the winners. And each one is just, it's, it's ridiculous. When I went over there to go check it out, mm -hmm. it was astounding. Like, 150 yeah. entries of which almost all of them were dramatically better than anything I could ever do. Um, really, really cool. And that's just one little slice of what's going on at the event. There's so much to see and do. The social events, uh, always a lot of fun. The pub crawl again was crazy and sounded like everyone had a blast. I happened to be at the first bar they went to in a separate group. And it was funny because it was kind of like an upscale, kind of a hit bar. So mm -hmm. I got there and all the people there are like high-end people, you know, dressed to the nines, nice sharp haircuts, girls all dressed up. That crew came rolling in. <laughs> all those people left. <laughs> like immediately. Just a bomb I was like, well, there goes, there goes the girls. All the girls left. Oh, you're really selling it here, buddy. <laughs> I'm just saying. So it's a great time. Oh, it's a blast. Yeah, but they just, yeah, it came rolling in and yep. it was just like the carnival from uh, Game of Thrones. What is it? The, um, the Cutthroats. You are really making this sound like a good event. Just <laughs> an observation from somebody who was there. Yeah, but, they see, but they were having a good time. There was like people on people's shoulders taking beer bongs and it was crazy. <laughs> and it's funny because every year the Irish and the Aussies are always like, where's yeah. the pub crawl, mate? I'm like, right over there. Yeah. Uh, not to stereotype too much, but uh, it is funny. Mm -hmm. It's just a trend that I have noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Always usually the most fun people at the event as well. Yeah, specifically uh, the Irish and the Australians. Yeah. yeah. Every year, it's a blast. I still remember the year that the guy hit the hand sanitizer and it somehow matched. It was like, it was like the second gummit on the grassy knoll. It's like quitting in the face. <laughs> oh, that's oh, a, those Aussies. Oh, that's a story. That, no, that was an Irishman. Oh, he had the big geez. hat on. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, it was so funny. So at any mm -hmm. rate, uh, fun times aside, mm -hmm. we did want to dig into some of this amazing data that we pulled out of the event. So for those of you who were questioning why we had <clears throat> such a rigid list submission process, there was a, a method to the madness. And uh, behind the scenes, well, kind of openly, we've been talking about it a lot, but the BCP guys have been working on a... Uh, uh, a machine readable list submission format. And what that means is they have a script that reads your list and then pulls all the data out of it and compiles it into a database. And that's for some people, none of that made any sense. But basically what it allows us to do is to take everyone's list, compile it into a way that it's, it's machine readable, meaning that a, a software program can understand what it's looking at and then take the data, put it in the correct place in essentially a giant spreadsheet. And then we can take that information, combine it with the data that we get from Best Coast Pairings app, looking at how players do at the event, how, how many points they score, um, uh, if they win or if they lost, and then look at the other person's list that they play against, mm -hmm. smush this all up, cook it up in a pot, and then pull out some incredible, incredible statistics that we can use to look at, not only to talk about because it's interesting and fun, mm -hmm. but also to allow us to look at the game in a way we've never been able to look at it before. And that's a data-driven uh, 
non non opinion based analysis of the game where it's at what factions are actually good or are actually underperforming mm-hmm. who is what factions are better against what other factions and it goes we can go down this rabbit hole we could have an eight hour podcast and not right. even touch and scratch the, the surface this will probably be a chapter tactics type we thing right we uh if you want to listen like to data the, organization that kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah if you want to listen to the last chapter tactics uh which i was uh fortunate to be a guest on uh, it was a lot of fun it was peter the falcon uh, abuse puppy the rhino i don't have a cool name like that that sounds like, like a spider-man villain right like lineup right yeah. there. <laughs> peter the falcon the rhino and abuse puppy quentin abuse puppy what is he like the victim Abuse puppy? Well, he abuses... He's all the rhinos abusing the he puppy. He abuses and, puppies. That's, he's a villain. Ooh, yeah. that is villainous. I don't like that guy at all already. Is it abuse puppy or puppy abuser? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's abuse puppy. Oh, okay. Which, Sean, by the way, I need to understand the, the story behind that name because it's unique. Uh, but uh, if you want to listen to that, uh, you should. It's a really interesting and, and fun show. And uh, Peter, uh, a.k.a. the Falcon, uh, a.k.a. Yak Hunter, uh, he was the one who compiled the data and he spent many, 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 many hours doing that. So thank you to him. Is Yak Hunter the same as Yak Face? No, two different oh, Yak-oriented okay. uh, individuals. Okay. Get, get your Yak people I straight. don't know, yeah. I bet you they hail from the same village as Torlot. Possibly. Are, do Yaks live in, in Denmark? I actually do not know where Yaks come from. I would think they're from like it's where sad. the Mongols lived. Right. Because a yak looks like it lives on those. In a snowy That's how I, th- I, kind of I think of things. I'm like, where, where does it look like it lives? Chat, let us know. Where do I... The Himalayas. Himalayas. Ah, ah, so I'm right. All okay, right. there we go. See, because right. it kind of looks like it. Right. It has a hairy face. I can be Rhesus Pieces. Okay. Eh, how about Rhesus Pieces? <laughs> uh, we should do a whole podcast on why the Castellan is overpowered. Jason Hobo Baggins. Yeah. You do look a little bit like a hobo. Um, so at any rate, I don't like that. The, uh, thank you to them for that, for putting that data together. And we've been going through this for like several days now, and there's so much to, to, so much to unpack and and look at here. Uh, so we're not going to do a full, (coughs) actually, even on chapter tactics in a two hour show, we couldn't do a Mm -hmm. full analysis, not even close, but what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some of the highlights, some of the data that is most compelling to me. Mm-hmm. And then do just kind of talk about it a little bit, right? Sure. Because as the uh, as we go through the season, and more events are using this, which we really encourage every event to use this uh, the 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 list uploading and, and verifier uh, software because it'll add to the database. And over the course of a year, we're going to get a dramatic, like a, a enormous huge amount of data mm-hmm. uh, that's going to really help us to make decisions that will make the game better, right? And it won't be opinion. It won't be, you know, Joe Bojangles in his local event where the best player plays Grey Knights and the, he wins every single game. Mm-hmm. So they think Grey Knights are too good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's always the way the game has been. And even expert opinion, mm-hmm. which is relatively well-informed and usually pretty accurate, it's still an opinion. Mm-hmm. This is hard data right and it's it's really really good so it's very exciting especially as someone who's a play tester mm-hmm. um i know that i'm going to use this data myself to help make me right. make hopefully better decisions so um we'll take a look at some of the, the high level stuff um the faction breakdown um uh, taking a look at, at, at aggregating all the, the the data from these factions 
which ones tended to win more games mm-hmm. me, than others. Uh, number one, Yanari. So, well, it's not true. Corsairs. Well, okay. Corsairs was the top performing faction, but there was only two people that played it. Right. And uh, they both did. They both did really well. Jessica went four and two. Mm-hmm. I think the other player did like three and three or something to that effect. Really well, performed well. But it's such a small sample set right. that it's not really indicative. However, mm-hmm. if you're a Corsairs player out there, there's people that are winning <clears throat> the faction. Yeah. So. Uh, but uh, of, of a sample set that was a little bit more, you know, meaty, Yunari mm-hmm. um, uh, was the top performing faction by a significant margin. So, you know, I don't think it needs any explanation. When you have a, a game where most people can only act, you know, six times mm-hmm. and a Yunari player can act 12 times or whatever. Right. Um, even, you know, more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's obviously going to be, it's, it's obviously going to give you a tremendous advantage. So I don't think that's, Shocking, right? And uh, as we discussed on Chapter Tactics, Yunari is not an army that's super easy to play. Mm-hmm. But if you're a really, really good player, which a lot of the good players brought Yunari, um, it just gives you the, the 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 skill advantage is expressed very much with that army, right? Because when you can like a Sean Naden who's setting up, he sets up plays to trigger Soulburst to act again, mm-hmm. and it really takes people off guard because they're not used to seeing that, right? Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, whenever anybody else has an act again action, it's costing two or three CP. You kind of see it coming, right? Because it's like, okay, you, you clearly made that unit to be your unit that's going to shoot twice, like your Ludas or mm-hmm. your your Noise Marines or, or whatever, mm-hmm. or your Corn Berserkers are going to attack twice. You, it, you can kind of see it coming. But with Solburst, it's just so free-flowing and free-form that it's, it's incredible that even after getting nerfed hard twice, it's still by a lot the most winning army in the game well it's just it does it shows like you said when you you first started talking about them is that give somebody extra turns essentially they're gonna win yeah you know and so that's i think that's something that games workshop in the future should look at um when they're designing things like if we get people you know the opportunity to act more than their their opponent of course they're going to be winning more often so yeah what you you hit it i mean you said this, this exact thing that's happening yeah. Uh, Sean Naden did not lose his... Oh, he lost his first game versus Imperial Guard and Imperial Knights. Well, yeah, but that was also like, what, game six? Like, he was undefeated up until that point. Mm-hmm. And he lost to Brandon Grant, who won the entire tournament. So I don't know <laughs> I don't know how telling that that is. When you lose to the person who goes 9-0, and um, I don't think that that's really very indicative of... of that's not a very telling statistic on its own. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Next most winning army uh, or faction was Imperial Knights, right? Uh, with a fifty-five point four eight win percentage, right? And Inari were at hovering just about sixty percent. Um, that means that they were winning and six out of ten games. To keep in mind is that these aren't like pure Imperial Knights lists. It's not somebody bringing five knights. This is like the fact that a Castellan and a couple, even a couple, like for me personally, one Castellan and two Helverins, um will be the prime be the majority of my points in a list, even though the vast majority of my army is not the Knights. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it works because they cost so many points. And it, it's, it, what this represents is how many detachments of Imperial Knights were there. There was 158 detachments yeah. in 146 lists. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, if you're, you know, your primary Knights um, or you have an Imperial Knight in, present in your army, mm-hmm. um, you performed very well. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Mm-hmm. Knights are really, really strong right now particularly the Castellan, yeah. of which there were 80 Castellans at the event. 
which is yeah. uh, there was one of the most common <clears throat> units across all units mm -hmm. in the game. It, it was extremely overrepresented. Right. Well, for good reasons. It's really good. It's extremely strong. It's, it's a really good unit. It's too strong. Yes. It is too strong. As a person that uses one, uses one as a crutch, and I am 100% willing to admit it, um, <coughs> there's not a lot of ways you can go wrong with it. Yeah. I mean, like, it does cost a lot of points, but, like, you can't really deploy it wrong. I mean, you can, but, like, you know, like, I don't know. There's just... Right now, there's a lot of arguments going on. Like, people um, being mean about it, saying, like, people who win use it as a crutch. They're not good players. Um, and I, I don't like seeing that stuff. You know, people basically not being able to deal with it and, and immediately saying, like, oh, you're a bad player or you only use it when because of that. But in all reality, it's you can't go wrong with it. No, it's... Even when it's not maxed out with House Raven, um, it's still really good. Yeah, it's it's... It's got it's got that little te that taste of what made seventh edition go off the rails a little bit. It's too too much offense, too much defense, right? Yes. Uh, it, the 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 knight being able to go to a three up invul save combined with a command point reroll combined with a grand strategist reroll yeah. makes it just too resilient to shooting. Mm -hmm. It's usually going to be buried behind a bunch of layers of protection, which makes it really difficult to get to it because mm -hmm. the castle is actually easy to kill in melee if you have the right unit. Yeah, uh, but it's really difficult <clears throat> to actually get there. Uh, and then the mm -hmm. overwhelming uh, offense, the House Raven strat is too good. Yeah. Um, you just feel bad. Like, I, I don't know about other people, but when I'm using it and it's on full offensive capability, like I just played somebody, we had a um, the Winter Finals League, um, which is going on, which is the tournament for our local league. And I was playing my opponent who was playing Death Guard, and it's just bad. I mean, in, if, in two turns, if you can take out Mortarian and then all of his Flavor's Crawlers with one unit... <laughs> Like it was not fun. It's like not, I, I yeah. just felt bad, and I was like, you know what? Like, I don't know. But if you take away the, but I'm a terrible player. <laughs> so you've gotten better. Though, I like, have, but it, it it just shores up a lot, you know. I understand what you're saying. I don't know, and I don't know how to fix it because, like, even Pablo yesterday was talking about Pablo just had a Castellan painted by um, our studio, and it looks amazing. And he's like, well, at least I'll get a couple games in before they they try to nerf it more, even if they added. 200 points to it it would still be worth it hundred like it, it just does so much the 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 issue right now it's the house raven strat mm -hmm. that um it's just too much of a force multiplier yeah and, and, three it, up and, and again you got like this is just me expressing my opinion as a gamer don't take this as like i've got my crystal ball out and this is what's gonna happen this is what's gonna happen i'm just <clears throat> saying what in my opinion what the issue is the house raven strat is too efficient mm -hmm. um the uh, three up invul save, nothing that big should be able to get a three up invul save. That's it's silly, mm -hmm. right? You just should not be able to. It's got high toughness and a lot of wounds. It does not also need to to have you know an almost insurmountable defense because the problem, the problem with invul invulnerable saves mm -hmm. in the game, and I've talked about this with my fr friends frequently, <clears throat> is that and it makes anti tank guns dumb. Right, mm -hmm. like if you take the Shadow Swords main gun, which is supposed to be the gun that kills the tank, mm -hmm. that's it. If you have a three up invul save, even a four up invul save with a reroll, it renders the other gun essentially pointless, and that's why we don't see Shadow Swords anymore. Mm -hmm. Is if a Castellan only had a five up invul save or a four up invul save, the Shadow Sword would still be effective against it, but with a three up invul save with the ability to reroll the first two fails, it makes it so that it has like a ninety percent damage reduction. Um, it, up to that point of second failure, 
which makes it renders the gun like the shadow sword meaningless. Right. Right. Invol saves in the game. Like I was talking about this with Andrew, actually, like a better way to represent a tank being really tough, like a castle like give it 30 wounds. Right. Like keep it to a five up invul save. Mm -hmm. And that way small arms fire are not going to do much to it, but the gun that's designed to kill it is going to be more effective against it yeah. instead of just bouncing off of it. Right. Right. And, and I think <clears throat> even from if you look at it from a sales point of view, it's really bad for the game as well. And again, this is coming as somebody who uses one in my list. And the reason being <clears throat> is that now when I'm writing lists that do not include a castle, there is so much that I would say, I'm going to take this and then rethink it. Oh, what if I go against a castle? Yeah. And so I don't, I, I, and this is just me, but I know here in the office, we talk about writing lists and stuff is that my, what I'm going to buy is severely limited to what I know is going to be immediately taken off the board. How many times do you hear, oh, I would love to take uh, unit X, except, except the castle would, would, kill, would kill it in one shot. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. So then you don't. And you, <clears throat> you know, it's just, it is an issue. I think we can all be open about it. And um, I personally don't know. Like you said, I think the thing that's making it just so good is just the re-rolls of ones on everything and then the three of will say yep. is really tough. And then also being able to ignore the damage table with uh, the Mechanicus strat. Mm -hmm. It's just all these little things that add up to an enormous advantage. Right. And uh, I think you could easily easily fix it. And how and if GW does that will have to be seen, but I think everyone agrees that, that it is a problem. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, don't feel bad about taking your castle in. It's mm -hmm. totally legal and fair to play and it's good. And, Brandon won the dang event. With just look it. humble when you're playing it. But just don't be, don't celebrate, right? In jujitsu, yeah. they say you can submit somebody, but you should don't ever show any emotion yeah. about celebrating it. Same thing. Blow up half of your opponent's for, uh, force turn one, and then look sad about it. Just be. <laughs> I'm take your hat off. Uh -huh. Be real about the fact that if you're winning games and you're using the castling, just be honest with yourself and everybody else about it like you know you're like you know what i feel good that i'm winning and this is great and i'm getting my money's worth out of my model but just eat a slice of humble pie along with it <laughs> have a good be funny about it that's yeah. the thing i i find my opponents are they get upset but then when i'm like oh yeah i use it because i'm really bad they're like oh they laugh you yeah. know and, it, and that's um it helps just just be honest about it don't don't think you're napoleon yeah because you're winning with a castle <laughs> because guess what uh, by the simple fact of including it in your list, you've increased your odds yeah. of, of winning dramatically. Yeah. And to put this in context too, because uh, a lot of people are hearing these numbers, and if you're not familiar with just basic level stats, a lot of this stuff won't make sense. Balance is, if you had a perfectly balanced system, every army would have a 50% win ratio, right? That That is balance. And looking at the numbers, uh, the game is actually, like, of course, this is, a large sample six, there's thousands of games played at the LVO, but it's not huge, right? And as we go through the year, we'll get a lot more data. But most of the factions are plus or minus 5% from the median, right? The game is actually very balanced. Like mm -hmm. now we can prove this. Like I've been saying it mm -hmm. all edition, but a lot of people, you know, it's, it just was an opinion. Now we can look at it and go like, I can, I can look at this game and say that the majority of the factions in the game mm -hmm. are relatively close to a, 50-50 win ratio, that is balanced. The game is relatively balanced right now. Does that mean there's no room for improvement? Of course not, can always get better. But this made me feel really good, right? Every faction is represented. We have a couple outliers, like Inari's at the upper end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. hovering at around 60% win ratio, which is still not insane. It's still more than we want, 
The only one that is really sad. What? Are, is, yeah, we talked about the top two. Let's talk about the bottom two. Uh, what, uh, the real yeah, bottom the two. The one that makes me sad and the one that is, for all of you players out there that have been complaining, you are justified in your complaints. Uh, Grey Knights are really, really struggling. Well, you take the most expensive stuff from the Space Marine Codex and make them obsolete, and that's your entire army. Yeah. That's it. So if you're a Grey Knight player out there and you're feeling disenfranchised and upset, well, you know what? You're not just complaining and whining. The numbers support it. Uh, points green, points reductions Knights. don't mean anything. Though they, they would help, right? But that goes against the lore. You don't want a horde of Grey Knights that completely yeah. invalid. They, they need rules changes. Yes. Uh, but Grey Knights were way off the, the median at 36% win ratio, which is very bad. Um, like the next lowest was 41%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that uh, was Blood Angels, which now to be fair, a lot of the Blood Angels armies, a lot of the detachments that we're seeing weren't actually Blood Angels armies. Mm-hmm. It was like Smash Captain with Scouts. Yes. And, uh, that's, and that's what most people are playing <clears throat> Blood Angels as currently. So it's, it's not like, it's not someone playing a pure Blood Angels army. Although I'm sure if they did, those performed in the same category. But like to put this in context, uh, a 41% win ratio with Blood Angels is the opposite end of the bell curve from Yunari. Yunari, mm-hmm. we're seeing around 60%. Right. So they're plus 10% from the median or from the baseline, whereas uh, 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 Blood Angels are about minus 9%. Yeah. And then poor Grey Knights are sitting at like 15% underneath the curve, which is bad. They need help. Uh, but GW is well aware of it and they've acknowledged this. They told Blood Angels or uh, Grey Knight players they are working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the representation of Grey Knights wasn't a ton, right? There, there was only uh, 13 people that brought them. So it's still not a huge number, but the other telling part about it is in the, in the, uh, the li- all, of, all the lists that went five and one, every single faction in the game was represented except Grey Knights. Mm-hmm. So every, there was Blood Angels, there was a Necron player that went five and one. Uh, he was in the hunt uh, doing really well but it was only Grey Knights. So not to you know bang the strum too much, mm-hmm. but they, they need help. They, they really do. And now we know this, right, quantifiably. The uh, one that surprises me <clears throat> the most here is how Tyranids, how, the, how low Tyranids are. Tyranids did, they, they generally speaking, have done well throughout the course of the season, mm-hmm. but Tyranids were the third uh, lowest performing faction. And uh, they are really, really susceptible to things like the Castellan. Because mm-hmm. all their big guys, almost all of their big guys don't have an invul save and yeah. the castellan just looks at them and they die. Yeah, right? it'll it'll erase four of the big guys a turn. Yeah. Yeah. So the Tyranids were, were sitting around a 43, 44% win ratio, which it's still not, it's not terrible. Obviously you don't want to be there, but mm-hmm. it's not like poor Grey Knights. So the, 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 the Tyranids were still winning games, but um, if we have time, we'll dig into it. We'll talk mm-hmm. about the, the factions that they were winning against and losing against because we have that data. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Tyranids are in a tough spot. Um, yeah. They need, they need, and again, it's because the, 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 the castle and not to keep pressing that button too much, but it just deletes the big bugs. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have a, they just, they just die. Yeah. And it's, and they really struggle to, to kill knights also. That was the worst game that I've played against in our leagues was against the Tyranid player who had like multiple, he had like like six <laughs> big bugs he had two flying high tyrants and within two turns they're they all gone yeah. and i was just like oh man like yeah it's a, it's a it's a design issue because the tyranids uh 
the Chainers have always kind of been mm -hmm. the no invul save, but they've relied on being tough. Yeah. And now in the way the game is right now, that just does not, uh, it does not work, mm -hmm. right? So um, uh, it's, it's a bummer. Um, a Tiernid Horde won CanCon, the biggest Australian uh, tournament. Mm -hmm. So, And I think that's the way to play them, is just drown yeah. your opponent bodies. Just keep bringing them in as many as you possibly can. Rack up those um, objective points. You know, th they can only kill so many. And if you have hordes and hordes and hordes, I think that's the best way to go. But it's just not fun to play. Yep. And it's not fun to paint. Yep. And it's not fun to transport. Well, it's funny, too, because I was <clears> playing, uh, like I said this on Chapter Tactics, too, but mm -hmm. I was playing a, a really fun uh, tier list where I was taking a, a ton of Gaunts mm -hmm. and uh, Turvagons to regenerate them. Mm -hmm. And it was really good. It was like a grind-out yeah. board control. I'd, I'd win. I wouldn't kill a lot of stuff, but I would win the game on objectives. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun. And I'd have shooting units buried behind the Gaunts. Um, and I would use acid blood stratagem. So like you'd go into the Gaunts, you'd kill yourself as you killed me mm -hmm. I'd regenerate them. I actually had Pablo complaining about the Turbogon in one mm -hmm. game, which is, which is cool. And I don't say that to put him down. It's just funny because you don't hear that. Yeah. And that list was really good and effective, except for the fact that a Castlin just goes, boop, Turbogon dead. And you're like, yep. Sick. Cool. Um, and again, not to keep hammering on it. Everybody knows what the Castlin is, but, uh, yeah. uh, that's one of the reasons why in the current meta, it's a little bit of a struggle um, to, to make some of these armies work, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how delicately balanced the game is, is you introduce one element and it has this domino cascading effect through all these other armies, mm -hmm. right? And uh, we'll, we'll dig into that more. Uh, yeah, Blood, Angel, Blood Angels were not only taken for Smash Captains and Scouts, guys. That was just the most common way um, that it was done. Uh, Cooper in there says that the castle ruins all his plans. He's a big Tyranid player. Uh, Hafrican... G-Sealer Colt is a big help. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. a big help for Tyranids. And you're seeing that very frequently is that uh, G-Sealer Colt is being taken with Tyranids. Mm -hmm. um, VGR Ray says, yeah, let's make the big bugs T9 or T10. Yeah, something like that would help. Mm -hmm. They need something to defend against the high power um, weapons right. that just blow them up to bits. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's going to, again, that's going to take a rewrite of the codex. It's going to take some some creativity to to get there. But these are, I think, I hope that these are issues that Games Workshop is is seeing. We're told that they do look at all this oh, stuff. Oh, hundred percent. But like the fact aware. that like me and you are now debating that just to compete with this one model, you have to rewrite the entire Tyranid Codex or change that model, right? right. So, so that's that's kind of like the the point. Then I guess it it just kind of like dawned on me that me and you were actually talking about well they got to change the codex because of this one model. And you're like oh well. Well, the Tyranid thing, the, the issue with Tyranids too is yeah. that like the big bugs and even the medium bugs mm -hmm. they're just too squishy in the game the way it is right now yeah they should be toughness eight to ten <laughs> or just give them like a way more wounds yeah or you know there's there's a million ways you could do it mm -hmm. and again we're, we're just chatting theory hammer um but then uh the other one i want to talk about on this before we move on to the next part of this is uh the the third most winning faction was colt mechanicus mm -hmm. uh, which is really interesting because before chapter approved that army was both it was below average. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, it's amazing. And there was a bunch of players. My teammate, Ben Cromwell, uh, he went 5-1. and one, And a lot of players went 5-1, and one, even 6-0, and oh, mm -hmm. with Colt Mechanicus primary. Uh, that goes to show how much uh, something like Chapter Proved can dramatically change the faction. They go from uh, really struggling mm -hmm. to being a contender in the top. And uh, interestingly, the most commonly taken Colt Mechanicus unit what would your guess be, Jason, um, with, our, with your limited knowledge of Cole Mechanicus, mm -hmm. uh, 
what would you say you would have guessed would have been the most commonly taken unit? The cash loan. Uh, that's cool. That's uh, uh, you can take it in their army, but it's not. No, no, under. the Castellan robots. Oh, the Castellan robots. Castellan, however you yeah. want to pronounce that one. Yeah, that would have been a good guess. I think yeah. most people would guess that are Electro Priest. Mm -hmm. There's the Catafron Destroyer, which is a unit that most of you oh. probably don't even know what it is. Yeah, it's the guy whose bottom half is a little tank tread. Yeah, it, it was a laughing stock unit. Never mm -hmm. saw it, and now it was one of the most common units. And everybody was saying it was great, and they got yeah. a dramatic points reduction. Right. So it's it's really interesting to see how a little little tweak like that, the Vigilist detachments that we got, really, really changed the way a lot of these units play. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, Colt Mechanicus is great. And then again, to be fair, a lot of them did take a night. Mm -hmm. um, uh, interestingly though, a lot of them were taking um, Night Wardens. That's the, mm -hmm. the Gatling gun melee weapon really? with House Crast. It's, it's very good. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and what, uh, there was a player who was in the uh, hunt, uh, his last name was Lois, if I remember correctly. Uh, in the hunt to win the whole thing. And mm -hmm. he had a, a Castellan with um, Colt Mechanicus and he was doing very well. Mm -hmm. So it, it, really cool, right? Chapter proof works. This, this, this is uh, evidence to it right here. Right. Um, so there's so much more to talk about, right? But <clears throat> let's, let's jump in um, um, and talk about some more. Uh, this is, a, you know, obviously we could go on and on and on. This data is so interesting and we're going to keep sharing it. But one of the ones that I found to be the most interesting part was the sub-faction breakdown. And this is looking at what, uh, you know, chapter tactics were the most common, but and also were the, which were the most effective, mm -hmm. right? So uh, there's a couple that I wanted to highlight. Again, so much more to talk about, but we have limited time. So of the Adeptus Astartes detachments present at the event, the vast majority of them were ultramarines. Mm -hmm. Ultramarines had a 46% win ratio, which, uh, it's below average. Mm -hmm. Salamanders, which were um, brought by, let me see, I just want to make sure I'm reading that data correctly. So salamanders were present in uh, four lists. There was five detachments. Statistically, not super significant, but very interesting. 54% win ratio mm -hmm. with the salamanders guys. We see this over and over where the majority of people go with what is commonly perceived to be the best. And then there's a couple outliers, people who are onto something that the rest of us aren't, mm -hmm. that are performing way above average. So I'm an ultramarine player myself. Um, I've been I've seven and zero in our league so far with my new list. Mm -hmm. Haven't lost a game yet. So I think there's ways to do it. But I want to talk to who are the the salamanders players. What are you doing? Because that's so interesting, mm -hmm. right? You're performing ten percent, eight percent, nine percent better than the vast majority of your fellow Space Marine players, and you're doing something that, that, that a lot of people aren't. Um, I found that to be super interesting. Uh, Imperial Fists, Raptors, again, super low representation, but they were batting uh, above average or above uh, Ultramarines, which was the median. So really, really interesting. Another one, uh, Astra Militarum. Mm -hmm. the oh, first of all, the most common <clears throat> detachments in the whole event, Astra Militarum. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody is surprised by that, the, the Loyal 32. The, of, of the detachments taken, 83 of the 223 Astra Militarum detachments present at the event. Oh, another fun factoid. Most common model at the event was the uh, Astra Militarum infantrymen. Mm -hmm. There was almost 6,000 of the guard represented nice. at the event. As it should be. As it should yeah. be, right? It felt very... Next most common model. Even more than orcs. Orc boy. Yeah. Next most common model. And there was like four, 3,000 mm -hmm. of them or something. Uh, that actually feels appropriate to the mm -hmm. game, right? 
so of the 223 detachments Ash Militarum, 83 of them were Katachan, 73 of them were Cadian. They both were uh, performing very well. Mm -hmm. Katachan's was about 53% win ratio, 51% for Cadian. So that old debate of which is better, they're pretty close. Mm -hmm. The one that stands out is extremely interesting, though. Um, the where is it? Uh, Valhalla mm -hmm. only nine detachments. <clears throat> now this again, not it's a smaller sample set. Sixty-four percent win ratio. Yeah. And uh, Mike Snyder, who went to the semifinals, was defeated by his teammate Brandon Grant. Brandon plays Catachan. Snyder plays Valhalla. He skews those numbers because he was one of the people in there, uh, but significantly performing above average, mm -hmm. right? And the reason I like this, this is so fascinating to me, is that the common, uh, you know, common wisdom is oftentimes not right, right? Like if you're following the crowd and doing what everybody else is doing because it's, you, you know, everyone says it's the best. First of all, everyone else is preparing to counter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Second of all, uh, you're closing your mind to the possibilities that are in there because another one really interesting, Vestroya, 55% win ratio mm -hmm. above uh, both Kadia and Katachan. Um, uh, only eight detachments represented, but uh, super interesting. Um, the other one, Talarn, 55% win ratio, only 10 detachments, mm -hmm. but again, performing in, on average above Kadia and, and, and Katachan. Uh, again, small sample set. So this is, it can be skewed by one person's performance, but it's just, it's really interesting to me. I've been saying it the whole edition. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Trust your own ideas. Yeah. Right. If you see a cool combo, believe in yourself that it's a cool combo. Mm -hmm. Go get some reps, and you're going to catch people off guard. Yeah. Like with the uh, Valhalla, one of the tricks uh, Mike was doing is he'd go into combat with his basically fearless conscripts, get you trapped in combat, and then he'd shoot into combat and mm -hmm. blow you away. Yeah. <laughs> like that's one of the cool things they can do. So <clears throat> um, don't get caught up in groupthink. You know. The, the, there's so many cool things you can do in the game and this data is now proving it, mm -hmm. right? Like the other detachments, the other regiments, typically speaking, outperformed the two most popular. Right. Uh, really, really interesting. But also the two most popular, or two most common kits are the Katachin and the Cadians. Yeah. It's harder to find the other ones. I think, well, a lot of know. people do count as, which is, yeah. you know, just fine. <clears throat> but, um, Space Wolves win percentage, <clears throat> Wolf Priest Carl, it was not amazing. They're in the bottom four. Slightly above Blood Angels. <laughs> the other but no one's playing pure pure list because they're just they don't do that much more than their codex space marine partners they just don't there's a couple cool things that they have but like as a standalone force you know there's not much difference and most people are going to play basic space marines they're really good as um allies space wolves did, did okay with the other one i thought was interesting is necrons actually did pretty well they're, mm -hmm. they're often bemoaned as one of the worst armies in the game, and yeah. the data just does not back that up. Yeah. They, um, they didn't have a huge representation, but they performed uh, you know, middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. It's not as bad as people think. Yeah. Um, phased Adept, Salamanders aren't as reliant on reroll buff uh, characters. Yeah, their chapter tactic is really good. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's just, I found that to be extremely interesting. Uh, VGRA says Death Watch is a real space race. Yeah, Death Watch, especially. Well, imagine if, if they had the Bolter, Bolter Drill, drill Woo! which was not in yeah. effect. At, You're going to be seeing a lot of Death Watch in 2019, let me tell you. They're really, God. really good. Yeah. They're really good. Special issue ammo, Bolter Drill. Man. Yeah. I don't know if that, that I don't know if that might have, should not have been included. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, Space Race, they need the help. But, uh, not Death the, Watch, though. Some of the other fun ones, eh. Death Watch let them, be, let them be good. Yeah. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. 
Uh, Chaos Space Marines, most common was Alpha Legion, unsurprisingly. My, my, yep. But best performing was uh, Black Legion, although there was only four detachments there. 56% mm-hmm. uh, win ratio versus about a 50-50 with Alpha Legion. Mm-hmm. So um, again, kind of the same trend. You got the, the majority of people kind of following the pack, and then you have a couple of outliers who've caught on to something and are doing really well. Mm-hmm. Although, wow, Iron Warriors underperforming massively. Mm-hmm. Low representation, but only a 17% win ratio. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Well, it's probably more fluff players that brought those. Yeah. What that means is there's probably uh, three players that brought Iron Warriors, mm-hmm. maybe three or four, and then they didn't do very well. Mm-hmm. So we need more data, which is why I keep using this tool. Um, another fun one. Uh, Drukari. This is an interesting one. So surprising to nobody. Uh, Cabal of the Black Heart, most commonly represented at about a 54% win ratio when present. Uh, Prophets of the Flesh, another really, really popular one. 46 uh, detachments, 52.28% win ratio, pretty good. But the highest uh, was Cult of the Cursed Blade. Mm-hmm. Only six detachments, but had almost a 62% win ratio. Yeah. So again, you're seeing that there's a couple of players out there that are dialing into something. They're, counter, they're countering the meta, mm-hmm. um, found a combo that a lot of people haven't seen. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, here's one that does uh, back up the common belief, and that's knights. Most common knight household, house raven, mm-hmm. also the most winning. Yep. So sometimes common knowledge Whoa. is... <laughs> sometimes... Mariana, put up the gif of uh, Pikachu looking amazed. Sometimes the crowd yeah. is correct. Yeah. Um, and then I want to touch on just a couple more because I found this to be some of the most interesting data. Uh, Necrons, the most common, uh, most commonly taken detachment was Sautek mm-hmm. with 25, a 43% win ratio, which obviously is not amazing. But the uh, least, one of the least common, Nefric Dynasty, only five detachments total mm-hmm. in three different lists at a 64% win ratio. Nice. So again, so those that's guys, a, they got their list dialed in. They know what they're doing. Again, it's a small sample set, and one of these guys went five and one, so he's wow. skewing the data. But that Novoke Dynasty is that the, the worst win percentage of the entire 50%. tournament? Fifty percent. It's that's just a. Oh, it's a typo. I thought that was a five percent win rate. No, it's it, it's it's he's bitten. Because <laughs> you can't you can't get to that percentage until we have more games. I mean, maybe it is five percent. I, I assume that was fifty, but that's the worst players in the tournament. Right there. I actually like. I prefer Novok myself. Yeah. But, um, and then with Tau. Most common by an absolute mile, 91 Tau Sept detachments. Ooh. Had about a 50% win ratio. and uh, But still Bork, not the winningest. Bork or, uh, no, yeah. Farsight Enclave. Again, only one person brought it and they did well. So that's totally skewing the data. Yeah. But 67% win ratio for mm-hmm. that one person yep. that brought Farsight Enclave. Enclave. So mm-hmm. might want to go subscribe to BCP and go look at his list because he's doing really well. Yeah. Uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, and then uh, Tyranids, uh, not, not not a lot to get stoked on. Leviathan was the uh, yeah. best. Um, I do like that the the total win percentage for every list and every faction at the entire tournament was 51%. Yeah, it's that's, that's balance, right? Yeah. Like that's what you want to see. Uh, and one of the data- Some more balanced than others. Well, one of the data points that was the most interesting to me and the, the, the one that I was most excited to see is uh, the, the Falcon or the Peter, mm-hmm. either way. The Falcon, I like the Falcon. Uh, you don't like the Peter? I thought you would have totally the... grabbed onto that one. Right, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm not, yeah. I'm pretty Good funny job. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so at any rate, uh, you got it, you got it. Yeah, hey, throwing thunder, th- hurling thunderbolts from the top Mount Olympus. That's what I do. Uh, one of the most interesting data points uh, uh, Peter put together was he took the top ranked uh, uh, of the top 150 players in the ITC, 83 were at the LVO, mm-hmm. and he tracked how they did compared to everybody else. And it was super interesting because they had every faction represented. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a diverse range of lists and players, but the players who did the best in the ITC over the course of the season were like 20% better performance at the LVO than everybody else. So yeah. what this, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is that skill is the number one determinant in how well you're going to do at an event. Mm-hmm. They won 70% of their games. Everybody else won about half of mm-hmm. their games. So to the people out there who are like, oh, it's, all you have to do is take a net list. It's not true. Yeah. It is not true. If that but, was the case, you wouldn't see the same people at the top of the tournaments every all year, single year after year, year after year. Yeah. Right. And it's like, now we can just go look like yeah. these players always do better. Mm-hmm. And it's because they have high skill level. So it's, it's just one more thing that this data can show, right? Like mm-hmm. to the people who are naysayers, or we're like, you're, you're just, you're provably wrong, mm-hmm. right? Skill is the most important factor in being good at the game. Yeah. Skill and games played with a consistent list. Yeah. Which builds your skill. Yeah. Um, so we're getting a little low on time. There's a lot more to talk about, but um, mm-hmm. just- We can uh, spend hours talking about this dude, data. There's so much cool stuff to talk about. Is this going to be, inf- is this information up? No, this this is not. We is, don't we don't make this data. It's always going to be internal. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is valuable data. Yeah. Um, True. That we worked hard and spent a lot of time, energy, and money getting this together. Gotcha. But uh, we will be publishing part of this data. Gotcha. Um, as we go, because it's awesome to talk about. So one of the uh, interesting <laughs> things, like orcs, uh, and they talked about it on chapter tactics, but mm-hmm. it's really interesting because we tracked all like how did orcs do versus other armies. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because orcs are really good against the good armies and they're really bad against the bad armies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, let's, let's figure out why that is. It's very interesting. Um, like against Sisters of Battle, they had a 50-50 win ratio. Against Space Marines, they only had a 25% win ratio. Mm-hmm. Space Marines have orcs number according to this data. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Grey Knights, a 0% win rate. because so, they didn't encounter hey guys, each other. So, hey, if you want a hard count at orcs, you take Grey Knights. But then against Blood Angels, you know, 67% win ratio. Demons, 64% win ratio. Colt mm-hmm. Mechanicus, 75%. Wow, Space Wolves, 75% too. Yeah. So it's, it's it's interesting to see how that, that skews, right? Um, Dark Angels, 33%. Again, this is just one tournament. It'll be interesting to see this data the at the end of, of 2019. Because mm-hmm. then, yeah, that'll be really interesting to see. And we, we've, we've gathered this data for every faction versus every other faction. <clears throat> and uh, again, we need more data to make it more complete set mm-hmm. um and it's good it's gonna be really cool to see how this develops over time mm-hmm. but uh it confirms some of the stuff that you always knew right like Tyranid struggle against tau yeah we always knew that they really struggle against knights uh but they're really really good against some you know other factions uh and as we build this data it'll help us make more informed decisions like okay this is kind of a crappy matchup how do we make this uh how do we make this better mm-hmm. um you know i think we're gonna have to Cut it off there. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk. Let's we'll look at well, one more. Every week, why don't we just talk a little bit about it? Yeah, because yeah. we'll, we'll there's so much more. It. There's yeah. so much. Like um, we we can tell you the best performing unit. Um, let's take action. a look at <laughs> if we wanted to. We could do it totally. We do anything. We can tell you that you stink. 
We could do that too. We could do that too. So that'd be me. Um, yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll we'll cut it off there because there's just so much more to um, there's so much more to talk about, mm-hmm. and it's also interesting. Like, <clears throat> you know, what was the most common non-troop model taken? Uh, how often did people that had these models win games? Like, for example, interesting data point: uh, the unit present in the most winning uh, lists was Storm Guardians. Right, but you would not have guessed that. Yeah. Most uh, common single model unit, most common HQ was the company commander. Mm-hmm. I bet you did guess that. Yes. Right. Uh, one of the most common taken models was Castlin. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the most common taken Eldar units was Eldrad. Mm-hmm. Right. There's really interesting um, trends that we're seeing. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ludas was one of the most common uh, models taken in the entire game. Shining Spears. Right. Mm-hmm. So. There's, there's so much more to go on, but we're running low on time, so we're going to cut it off there. And what's we'll, what's we'll the least it. common model well, there's, in there's, the entire game that was at the LDL? There'd be a number of them well, that was actually present. That you remember offside. That was present. That's what I'm interested in. What's <laughs> Some um, one person brought one thing. That there's probably brought. something like one. Like, like Interestingly, Deathwing Knights. Yeah. There was well, three people brought them and there was 25 of them at the, at the entire event. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Gagne brought them and he actually did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll come over and answer some questions then we'll go back and wrap up the show. We still have uh, some ITC data to go over, mm-hmm. but it's, it's super interesting. And the, the more we use this tool, the more we're going to get out of it. Um, more people in the chat talking about... Uh, They're just talking to each other. Yep, everyone's just kind of enjoying their conversation about it. Yeah, enjoy your coffee. Have a chat. Coffee talk. Uh, what is your opinion on as an ITC player on an ITC player database for uh, tracking cards? It sounds like there were issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there weren't really sportsmanship issues. We had a we had an issue quite a few yellow cards, mm-hmm. but um, no one got a red card. That's the big the big no no. Um, as far as tracking that data, um, we do, and we make it available to TOs only. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want the public book of shame. The idea of the code of conduct is not to like give anybody the scarlet letter. That's that's not what it's for. Uh, we do make the data available to TOs so that they can be aware of a player that may have a, a negative track record mm-hmm. coming to the event. And um, the, the agreement between the ITC TOs and everyone's free to make their own mind up. So you're saying we're not going to have a database that's like a map that has certain colored dots. Because <laughs> I, I thought we were going to do that. There's three yellow cards within six miles yeah. of me. I can't believe it. Dang. Oh. Um, but the, 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 the deal between the TOs and with players abiding by the code of conduct is if you do get a red card, uh, you may not be invited to events for a certain period of time. It's up to each individual TO to decide if they're going to do that or not. Um, but if a player did get an egregious red card, like, Let's say, for example, worst mm-hmm. case scenario, you took a swing at somebody yeah. at an event. Uh, the other TOs are going to be aware of it, and mm-hmm. they're going to be like, hey, dude, you yeah. know, for the next six months, you're not welcome at any of our events. Mm-hmm. And you know, well, if, t- if you're really trying to punch somebody, that you should just be gone. Yeah. You need to go to a psychologist and talk about why you would ever get that angry about playing toy soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, let's say, for example, it was something to that effect. Um, that's, that's what it's for, right? Um, and the other thing is we don't want people constantly going to events, pushing the limit, getting two yellow cards, mm-hmm. and then, and then oh, now I'm going to behave correctly. So we're going to be tracking that, and then we're going to deal with it um, 
in a way that is fair, right? Because you don't want to push people away, but mm -hmm. you don't want other people to be act like a jerk and make other people not want to come. You got to strike a balance that's fair between those two things. People wearing a brand would be good. On their forehead. No, like the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> you just have on your shirt or something, you got to wear it. Yeah, and it's like, because the thing is, like somebody could have just had a bad day, right? Yeah. Like maybe you had something bad happen in your life. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just have an opponent that you just bump heads with. And like, mm -hmm. you don't want that to like, permanently affect your ability to go yeah. and participate in the community that'd be stupid but if someone is habitually crossing the line mm -hmm. we need to be able to be aware of it so that that person who's act like intentionally yeah or if you throw your models and you, you make act a scene like an and, yeah. and, you know don't do it yeah don't do that and that's like the, the purpose of this because the community asked us to do it yeah is to try and curb bad behavior because mm -hmm. it it limits our ability to grow the, the hobby yep um, and that's what it's for. So, uh, so yes, we are keeping track of everything. Every single yellow card at the LVO that was issued, the reason why and who issued it, all that data is being logged. Yep. Just so, so you know. Trying to be as fair as possible. Because you don't want a TO to try and use it as a weapon either. Yeah. Right? If like some crappy TO out there is like trying to like. And I don't somebody. like this person. Yeah. yeah. So that it has to go both <clears throat> ways. It has to be fair for all parties. Mm -hmm. uh, ITC events coming up this weekend. So also Whoa. ITC. I know. I can't believe it. Can I can't even see it. There's so many. I, know. I need my glasses. I, yeah, me too. It's getting to the point where I'm starting to see a sign at a distance, and I'm like, "Is that Sanskrit?" Oh for no, me, it's for me, it's actually. I have to do this. Oh really? Now, yeah. For me, it's at a distance. I only noticed recently because I was looking at a model, and I was like, "Wait a minute, it's fuzzy right here." Yeah. It looks good right here. Even my fingers. I'm like, "Oh come on." And when you stare at a computer all day, it's your eyesight's just gonna get screwed. Yeah. Um. So ITC update. Please remember. We do not automatically assume you are running your event again. Mm -hmm. You have to email us to get back on the calendar, right? We don't just assume you run your event every year. Yes. So uh, let us know, uh, get your event, get your token. Uh, for the updated, uh, the, 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 the database is now updated. We're tracking new scores. Mm -hmm. uh, so your events will be getting updated uh, with the new season. And uh, for those of you who've been emailing, reaching out about the regional uh, like managers, the regional representatives for the ITC, thank you very much. We're getting people from all around the world reaching out and um, uh, we're still structuring it, mm -hmm. but we're, we're taking all that information in. If you're not in the ITC TO group, make sure that you are. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a closed group. So just email me at contact at frontlinegaming.org and I'll add you to it. Send us your creds. We should have a regional manager and assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> I don't think we're at that point yet. So what you'll be doing as the regional rep is you're going to have a lot of responsibilities. So we need to, there needs to be a foundation of trust, but you'll be issuing, um, we're still fully fleshing it out, but you'll, you'll largely be answering questions, helping people to get organized and issuing out event tokens, which is the big thing. That's the part that takes a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, but it's gotten to, to the point with us where we can't, it is too much. Yeah. Um, I mean, just look at this weekend. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And uh, so you'll be, you know, you'll be responsible for that. Uh, and in an exchange, we're going to help give you even more help with your event to help push it, grow it, uh, get exposure for it. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll be a, a give and take type relationship. Um, and then for the missions and the updated structure, that will be done by the end of the month. I was, I wanted to get it done before the LVO, but that was probably a fool's errand. Uh, it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, but a lot of people have been giving us great feedback, great ideas for ways to update it, make it better, uh, maybe alter the scoring system a little bit, all kinds of cool stuff. 
Um, and then uh, also, if you attended the Age of Sigmar 40K Champs, um, AOS Champs narrative, uh, any of the, those events, please make sure to check your email. We did send out the feedback forms. Um, we've gotten a lot of feedback already, but um, check your spam folder. It might have bounced in, into the spam folder if you didn't see it. And uh, let us know uh, what we did right and what we did wrong. The feedback so far has been like glowingly positive, which makes us feel really good. Mm -hmm. uh, but please check that and let us know how we can make the LVO even better. All right, upcoming events this weekend for 40K. It's insane. Yeah. There's what, 30 plus events this weekend. Uh, and we do have a GT, the Nashville Bar Brawl, uh, a Warhammer 40K tournament in Tennessee, or in Nashville, Tennessee. And a major, the seventh annual Bari Bash up in Ontario, Canada, run by Scari. Nice. And uh, get out there, get your points. Mm -hmm. And then this weekend, we have a bunch of Age of Sigmar events also. So great to see that. Yeah. That used to be, those four events used to be like two months worth of Age of Sigmar events. It's a young game. Yeah. But yeah. now that we see that we have four Just in this weekend. the weekend, yep. it's amazing. Yeah. That's great. So uh, get out there, get your points. Uh, current 40K ITC top 10, <laughs> top five. Ooh, it's always interesting at the, the beginning of the season. The first couple months, yeah. Because it is just like basically who played some games. Anyone can get the name called. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number one, hang, you know what? <laughs> Screenshot job. this, put it on your wall, buddy, because right now you are the top dog, Simon Lee. Nice. Hanging in there with two events. Of 10,000 registered IGZ players, Simon Lee, you are number, <laughs> number one. Number one, baby. Go, you take, go to a bar Celebrate. and just show the ladies that screenshot. Yeah. Like, well, do you know? You will be. Do you know who you're talking to right now? You won't be going home alone. Oh no! I guarantee you. Go get that three pack. You know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, baby. Uh, Richard Siegler sitting in second place. Michael Ralston in third. Daniel Smith in fourth, and Jimmy Prescott in fifth. How do you guys already have two events logged? They've only been. There's a lot. Nine people. Season. Yeah. Nine people. I'm impressed. I wonder if anyone has two of five that is like not very high up. Well, you know what? <laughs> Good for you all. Good job. Uh, 40K ITC Hobby Track, top five, Jim Vessel leading the pack. Simon Lean, Whoa. ooh, he's a Dude. he's a multi-threat. I'm getting hot. He's number one, <laughs> competitive number two, Hobby. Ladies, stand back. Mariana's looking. I know, she fish. got a little flush yeah, wow. back there. Whew. Tyson Aguilar in third, Laren Ocasio in fourth, and Harry Geiringer. Nope, Geiringer. In fifth, well done. Uh, Age of Sigmar, top five. Robbie Steinberg in first place. Chase Reinhardt in second. Adam Thompson in third. Emma Mangles. Emma Mangles, where was she? she I don't was think up, she made it to No, the she end. didn't. She was up in the top 10. She was and kicking ass. Unfortunately, didn't make it. Well, apparently she still is because yeah. she looks like she got top three or four at an event. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Derek uh, Aaron Bush in fifth, well done. For uh, AOS, ITC, Hobby Track, and Shadespire, we don't have any submissions yet, yep. but I'm Every, sure it's just- Age of Sigmar, guys, if you're running tournaments, you should be doing Hobby Track. Yeah, do the so Hobby come Track. On. Come on. Um, get in there and, and get, get it Get with it. Yeah. Get with the program. It's fun. Uh, and then we will be scheduling a uh, podcast to go over uh, Age of Sigmar at the LVO with Scott and talk about the two new um, battle terms as well. Let's jump in and answer any questions. Any quick questions. Uh, Brian Spaliero, um, are there any clock rule updates coming? Um, there weren't really abuses. I think people just got caught off guard by it. Um, we did have to issue one yellow card to a person who played the clock wrong. Um, but I think we're going to adjust what we're talking about right now. 
is adjusting the clock down from a 10 minute buffer to a five minute buffer because that's what everybody was asking for. And I, other than that, I think that uh, I think that's all that's required. Um, in the feedback form so far, we ask about chess clocks and if you use them and it's overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, yeah, the clock helped to avoid slow play and finish my game. Mm-hmm. Like the people, so people are embracing the clock in match play 40K. Uh, and it's just because it makes sense. Can we have another show or maybe a YouTube vid to talk about the LVO data said Wizard of Boss? Uh, we'll keep talking about it as we go, but definitely check out the last chapter tactics. It's a, mm-hmm. We go into more depth on it. Uh, Phase that up says, yeah, we need a series on this. Yeah, the data is incredible, and we're going to keep talking about it. As, as the year goes on as well. Xtab, I too wondered if the 10-minute rule might be looked at. Yeah, that's really the only feedback point we've got on the clock is that people think that 10 minutes is too much, mm-hmm. too much time. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, basically when both players get to 10 minutes or less, that's the last turn of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do that to avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. But uh, if everybody wants five, we can do it. Uh, yeah, and then VGR Ray says the same thing. He would prefer five over 10. Yeah, I- I'm with you guys on that one too. Uh, will chaos be an ITC faction in 2019? Pretty rich. Um, you can't what does really that mean? be a chaos army uh, anymore. Um, we're looking at restructuring things a little bit for factions, but, um, yeah. Uh, Brian Spilero, yeah, they help, but I know about the yellow card. I know about the yellow card for the clocks head face. Yeah. We had a person who just didn't understand how it worked and they played mm-hmm. it wrong. Um, which happens like one of the, it's funny, one of the, the, one of the feedback points in the missions was mm-hmm. a player going like, I like ITC missions, but the secondary shouldn't stack. And I'm like. They don't, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you just, you played it wrong somehow the entire event uh, or someone played it wrong against you. Got to read the pack. Uh, you can be legal with Nurgle detachments, for example, pretty rich. Um, the thing is we don't want to create more factions just for these like weird niche mm-hmm. instances. Cause it's going to be like three people competing with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then if you're Nego, if you're Nurgle keyword, then you're Nurgle, you yeah. a Nurgle faction, but um, you know, email me and, and outline what you're talking about. That's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I still ruining my corn list? I haven't in a while. James Carmona keeps coming and borrowing all my models. Mm-hmm. I've been playing my my Ultramarine list pretty much exclusively lately in our league. Uh, Ariston, so if Grey Knights take a castle, do they still lose? Nope. The problem is they're too expensive to take the castle. Well, the thing Mark is, Mark. you don't usually take Grey Knights with a castle because yeah. the castle needs a ton of CP. You need a, and you need a screen. Yeah. And the, the Grey Knights don't give you There's a lot of no CP screen. and they don't screen. Yeah, that's So somebody may have done it and we can look at that, but I, I don't but know. But it would be not very smart. Yeah. Because you're going to get turn one charged by something and Mortarian will just kill you. Yeah. A lot of stuff will turn one charge you and kill you. Yeah, the castle, like Mortarian yeah. will chop a knight in half like with ludicrous ease yes. if he can get there. Um, and that's why you usually take guard because you can screen out the yeah. castle and mm-hmm. make sure he's shooting. And that's why you don't see him with like pure... Grey Knights or Space Marine lists. They just can't screen it. Um, in a, Oh, wait, if Castle and Crow is in a Castle and then they auto win. Well, yes. Yeah. If you model Castle and Crow on top of a Castle and then you just win the you game, You just win right? the game. Okay. Like you don't have to play. Send us those photos. Uh, VGR Raid uh, is asking about the weird loophole with Assassins. Well, Assassins mm-hmm. aren't even really out yet, yeah. my friend. We'll talk about that in March. Yeah, so we'll wait until yeah. that actually you is... Yeah, eight shared. days. We'll wait until that's actually a thing that's... Officially in the game. Yeah. Don't um, panic for eight more days, yeah. and then panic. 
you know, the new assassin stuff is so fun. Um, all right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Signals from the Frontline. We hope you enjoyed it. We sure enjoyed talking to you. And we will see you all again next week. And until then, happy gaming. Talk.